It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. As Judy Lyon wanted something specific quilted into her quilt she had made for her son, she made her first pantograph. Her long-arm quilter became a friend and they launched Meadow Lion Designs, LLC. Judy has spent the last 20 years designing and selling pantographs at shows across the country. When her eight children would ask, why are you doing this, Mom? She answered, it's because I love creating. There's so much of me they don't even know about because I haven't had time to be all that I can be. Judy, thanks for joining me today on A Quilter's Life. You're welcome, Paula. I'm glad to be here. Tell me about where you were born and raised. Well, I was born in Los Angeles, California. And that means I like Mexican food. (laughs) (laughs) But I've always loved different cultures and nature and things like that. Tell me what it was like to be raised in L.A. Well, of course, it's a very busy place. One thing I've mentioned to my children and my husband is I'm glad I learned to drive in L.A. (laughs) Because now traffic doesn't bother me. I know what traffic is like and I'm not bothered by it at all. So that was a nice thing. Of course, there are a lot of opportunities in L.A., and when I was young, I was privileged to be in a folk dance troupe, not a professional, just a little folk dance troupe that our church organized, and we went to the Middle East for the International Folk Dance Festival in Tel Aviv, and it really bolstered my interest in cultures. I think Being in L.A. also increased my interest in cultures because there are people there from many different cultures and there are many opportunities. I'm glad I was born there. I liked it. Neat. So you grew up there clear through high school? Yes. Mm -hmm. Then I went to college in Utah. Is that where you met your husband? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I got a degree in art and then a master's degree in humanities. And I guess I got the master's degree because I wasn't married yet. (laughs) It always comes in handy, though. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There are reasons for everything. Mm -hmm. Well, you had mentioned to me that you actually had been or still are a missionary in Thailand. Oh, yes, I was. I was a missionary in Thailand from 2015 to 2017 because my husband was military. We lived in a lot of different places, and so we were used to living in Asia. We lived in Korea, and we lived in Malaysia, and we lived in Hawaii. And so going as a missionary to Thailand just fit right in. My husband had been there before, and he spoke Thai, 
I thought, of course, I would learn to speak Thai. I thought, oh, yes, I am smart. I can do that. But it really wasn't easy, and I didn't really learn to speak Thai very well. But I enjoyed all the beautiful silks and batiks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I came home with nine suitcases because of all the fabric I bought. Wow. Now, you know, you can't bring that many suitcases home on a plane. But there were medical groups that came over for missionary type work to bring equipment and things. And then they would go home with empty suitcases. And so I filled them up for them. (laughs) That was very kind of you. (laughs) It was very kind of them to bring home all that fabric for me. How neat. Do you still have that fabric? Oh, yes. I haven't sewn most of it. I always have big plans, but it's hard to get everything done. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you have a big family. I do. I have eight children. One of them is an adopted daughter from when we lived in Korea. So we do have a big family, and it's a lot of fun. So my next question is employment. Is there something else that you wanted to share with me about your employment? I really wanted to just be a mother and stay home. Mm -hmm. I didn't plan on being employed, and all of this kind of happened. Would you like to hear how it came about? Oh, I would. All right. Well, I had been interested in quilts, and Enjoyed sleeping under my grandma's quilts and hearing stories about them. And so when I had children, I thought of making quilts for them. And I had a son who just loved animals. And he had some big books of animals. And he would lie on the floor looking at them. And I decided I wanted to make a quilt for him that had animals. So I got a variety of animal fabrics, and I cut tree blocks with them. And up at the top, I made, like, leaves, and it was the rainforest. And then farther down, it was the jungle, farther down, safari. And then I turned the blocks over and pieced them with fish fabric. So I had heard a lady moved into town who had a long-arm quilting machine. I didn't know what a long-arm quilting machine was, and I was excited about it. So I asked her, could you please quilt this quilt for me? And by the way, I want birds and rainforest quilting at the top, and then I want bigger animals like jungle, and then I want safari animals, And then I want fish at the bottom. (laughs) She laughed and she said, I can quilt that, but you would have to draw it. So I did. I didn't know that patterns and pantographs could be repeated over and over. So for this whole twin size quilt, I drew completely new and distinct patterns. So I had a roll of 12-inch wide paper, 
and drew all the rainforest and all the jungle and all the safari animals. And when she got that, she said, oh, my goodness, we've got to get this out there. And that's how we formed our company to sell those first patterns. How neat. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Now, I'm not sure most quilters would know, but not everybody. Explain what a pantograph is. All right. On a long arm quilting machine, there's a long table at the back of the machine. And you can unroll a long piece of paper. Generally, it's 12 inches wide and maybe 12 feet long. And this has the pattern. It might be repeated over and over, or it might be all distinctly separate. And these first ones of mine were separate, completely different the whole way along, but that's unusual. Usually they repeat. And so a quilter for a long arm quilting machine can unroll this pattern then they have a little laser light on the machine that they train onto the line of the pattern. They hold on the handlebars of the machine and just trace the line of the pattern with their laser light. And it's quite miraculous to watch because I would stand on the other side of the quilt and my friend would be quilting. And suddenly all those images I had drawn would show up on the quilt. It was really fun, but that's what a pantograph is. It's the paper pattern that you unroll. Now it's also available digitally for computerized machines. But when I speak of a pantograph, I'm generally talking about the paper roll. Okay. That's so neat. And you've been mm -hmm. doing that since when? 1999. Okay. Now, I'm going to jump back here for a little bit. I wanted to hear about your mother and your grandmothers. Okay. Well, my mother was very artistic. She had been a dressmaker. And so she taught me so many different things. Sewing and knitting and crocheting, embroidery everything. And my grandmothers also had been very skilled at handwork like that. And I can remember sleeping under quilts that my grandmothers had made. And my mother would tell me stories of the fabric in the quilt. That was my dress and that was my sister's dress. And you know, I really gained a love of those things. I'm just thinking how fun that would be for a mother to share that with her daughter. Yes, certainly. And I can remember, you know, there were church quilting bees. My friends and I would play under the quilts while the ladies were quilting. What fun memories. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was a wonderful childhood. Now, do you still live in L.A.? No, I don't. Um, because my husband was in the Army, we've lived a lot of places, and currently we live in Kansas City. Okay. Now, 
Besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or have done? There are a lot of things that I've done in different times of my life. You know, maybe I was interested in knitting for a while or crocheting. Also, artwork, because I was an art major, I was interested in painting. And particularly after living in Malaysia, I became really interested in making batik. I had actually learned that in art class in college, but became a lot more interested and really enjoyed dyeing fabric. How fun that must have been to make your own colors. Oh, yes. It's really exciting. And you never know for sure. I mean, there are people who dye fabric and they have it really down to a science. But I'm more uh, play as you go. (laughs) So it might not be the exact color I expect it to be. Also, I really like dying with plants. And so sometimes when we'll go on a vacation or a trip, I'll gather bags full of plants. Oh, neat. Where did you learn to know what to look for? Oh, I guess I studied into it a bit. My mother offered suggestions, but she didn't know really. So I read things about it. Neat. Yeah. Any other hobbies that you have? Cooking and eating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really do like cooking and inventing recipes. Nice. I also play the organ and the piano. Did you take lessons growing up or did you just pick it up later? I did take lessons as a child. And interestingly enough, when I was in college... I was asked to accompany a church choir on the organ. And we were playing in a big tabernacle building with a big organ. And I didn't know how to play the organ. I only knew how to play the piano. So I quickly took organ lessons so (laughs) that I could do that. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. What a great opportunity for you. It was a great opportunity, and I feel like God gave me that talent. I wouldn't have had that otherwise. Mm -hmm. Who introduced you to quilting? I guess my mother. I don't think she did a lot of quilting. She did some, of course, and so I knew about it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember your first quilt? I think my first quilt was just squares of material from dresses that I had. Neat. Yeah. When I was in college, I made some quilts for my roommate and I so we could have matching quilts on our beds. Oh, fun. I hope she appreciated it. (laughs) I hope so, too. (laughs) Do you have a favorite quilt? I do have a favorite quilt, although it's a hard choice. I think my favorite quilt is Safari Night. And it's a big black quilt and it has a lion on it. Now, 
my last name, my married name is Lion. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) so that was involved with that. On that quilt, I pieced a big lion in the center and I was putting borders and some paper pieced lions going around. But, you know, it was too black. I didn't want it that black. So I spread out the black fabric on top of my big work table. And that's really my chest freezer in the garage. And I found an old broken comb in the laundry room drawer. I dipped it in bleach and dabbed this broken comb with bleach on it all over the black fabric. Then as it lightened, I gathered it up and put it in the washing machine and neutralized it so it wouldn't go too far. But as a result, I had a lot of white specks and some of them were even in a line because they had come from a comb. And it was a really beautiful, I think, effect on that black fabric. That sounds so cool. It was really great. I actually wrote an article about that quilt for On Track magazine called How I Made a Show Quilt in Only Three Weeks. (laughs) A year before, one of my customers from Australia had asked for a border with elephants. She had been on a safari in Africa and wanted to make a quilt with elephants going around the border. So I had this elephant border pattern and I had the center quilting from Safari, from that original quilt. And I got it all pieced together and I asked my friend Angela, well, do you think I can get this done in time for the deadline? And she said, no, no way. I asked my husband, do you think I can get this done for the deadline to submit it to the quilt show? And he said, no, you can't. Well, I called a friend of mine who was a long-arm quilter. And she said, you get that quilt put together and I will drop everything and get it quilted for you. So we had that quilt finished and bound in three weeks in time to turn it into the MQS show. Wow. Oh. You must have worked 12-hour days. (laughs) I did work hard. (laughs) Is there a special tool you like to use? I saw that question, and I don't know if there really is, unless it's my really large cutting mat and rotary cutter. Yeah, we all seem to need those now. Right. Can't imagine doing it any other way. Oh, I know, I know. How about a favorite part of the process, or do you like all the steps? Oh, I like all of them, but you know, because my main focus is drawing the designs and drawing the pantographs to be used on the long arm machine, all the time I am drawing those designs, I'm starting to see in my mind ideas for quilts that I would stitch them on. And so by the time I have a pattern drawn, 
I know what kind of quilt I want to make. And I can just see that in my mind. And many of those mental creations never actually become quilts. But I do have several that are cut out and some are added to my stash and UFOs. But some quilts are actually sewn and finished. So I possibly my favorite part is as I'm drawing, I'm imagining and creating in my mind. Wow. That's so interesting because I think a lot of people would create the quilt top and then start thinking about how do I want this quilted, where you're thinking about how do I want this quilted and then what would it look good on? Yes, exactly. That is so neat. Mm -hmm. Just the opposite. Uh Uh-huh. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. Well, of course, I've had many. One experience, I was making a large whole cloth quilt with gold satin. And I had never quilted it on a long arm machine with a border going all the way around. But I had a beautiful 18-inch border that I had drawn. And so I quilted the border. But then, if you know anything about quilting with a long arm machine, you cannot go back in and do the center because the fabrics have shifted. And so the backing probably is going to be bigger than the front. As a result, I had to take out, pick out over half of that beautiful 18-inch border so that I could do the center, and then I had to redo the border. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really awful. (laughs) (laughs) And on a silk-type fabric, how did that turn out when you redid it? Because the whole thing goes up as easy. You know, I think they actually closed up quite well. And I'll tell you about this fabric. I was looking for a gold color. And the only thing I found was a slubbed silk. Do you know what I mean by that? No. Explain it, please. Okay. Well, it has loosened threads in it. And it's the kind of fabric that was used for drapes in the 1970s. Huh. So it has kind of an irregular weave. And that really wasn't the fabric I wanted, but that was the color I wanted. So as I stretched it out on the machine, I thought, wow, I am not going to use this for a quilt. It looks like my mother's old drapes. (laughs) But when I turned the fabric over, the back of it was satin. It wasn't meant to be the front, but I think the satin on that backing maybe had longer threads than most satin. It didn't really show very much when I picked it out. Fortunately, it turned out beautiful. I loved the wrong side of the fabric. And now the name that I've given it is Golden Wedding Bell Swag. Ah. Why do you think you make quilts rather than spending your time on something else? 
you might have heard it said that women used to love looking in the cupboard at all the jars of fruit that they had canned lined up on the shelves. There is something so satisfying about looking at something that you've created. It's a thrilling thing to me. I love looking at things that I've created. And because of designing the pantographs and needing to make samples, that spurs me on to make the quilts. But after I've made them, I'm very happy because I enjoy looking at them and touching them. Mm -hmm. Who do you usually make the quilts for? Because it's a business, I make the quilts to use in my trunk shows and programs. So I feel kind of selfish. I'm making them for myself. But I need to be able to show my customers what the stitching will look like. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I have most of the quilts that I've made. Not all. Some have been made for people and given to them. But in most cases, I have them. And I anticipate passing them on to my children and grandchildren. Yeah. Which there'll be a lot of. Yeah, I have 21 grandchildren and one great-grandson. Wow. Are you working on something right now? I have lots of UFOs. And I suppose the one I really care about finishing right now is a quilt called Irish Blessings. It's a quilt design that I made. So people can download it from my website if they want to make it, but I want to make my own so that I have an example. Mm -hmm. Please share a quilting tip. All right. I have a couple that I've noted for a long arm machine. Don't overfill your bobbin. It can cause tension problems because the bobbin itself actually fattens and becomes wider when it's filled up all the way to the end. Hmm. And then it doesn't spin in the casing as easily. So I think an important tip, if you are using pantographs, whether they're repeating or non-repeating, and like I said, most are repeating, and many are interlocking. But some teachers say if the pattern doesn't exactly fit on your quilt, just leave the rows a little bit apart. Give a half inch between each row or something like that to help it fit on the quilt. This to me is a big mistake. In many cases, there's a really obvious stripe of unquilted area in those quilts. And also, Realize that the designer of the pattern has created the optimal spacing to make a beautiful repeat. And by changing that spacing, you won't have something that's as beautiful. Mm. I have one more tip. Something that I tell my classes, because many of my patterns, not all, 
but many of them have subject matter. They might be flowers, they might be animals, a variety of things. And those kind of patterns enable people to look a little closer at your quilt. When there's pictorial material, it peeps out from between the patchwork of your quilt and it creates interest. I call it the secret ingredient. Now, you know, you can make a wonderful quilt with piecing and different fabrics and flowers, but you can still add something more by quilting a pantograph that is full of flowers or full of kitty cats or whatever you want. I think it's, well, I don't know if I would say a travesty, but I would say never use stippling unless you don't really value your creation. Hmm. Because stippling is the easiest run-of-the-mill quilting that adds nothing to your quilt. I know a friend of mine, I drew a polar bear pantograph and I thought, oh, my friend Linda would love this because she loves polar bears. But she said, oh, I don't want a solid quilt. Oh, well, that's not what I intend either. I don't want people to have to make a solid quilt so that the flowers or the animals will show up. I imagined a beautiful piecing of mystic mountains with blues and whites and silvers quilted with polar bears so that they're peeking out of the triangles and strips. Hmm. I'm trying to get my head wrapped around all of that, but mm -hmm. with not being a long armor and I'm still trying to grab it. <laughs> well, what I would say, I realize that not everybody who is listening is familiar with long arm quilting, although I think most quilters nowadays know about it, whether they use it or not. But I would say don't let that restrict you in any way from the quilt and the fabrics that you want to use. There are thousands of machine quilting pantographs. Maybe they're called quilting designs or pantograms or pantographs. There are all different designs. Some create a lot of texture. Some create some pictorial interest. But you should not let that inhibit the choice of fabrics and the design of the piecing, like what type of block you want. You create the colors and the quilt that you want, and then I'm sure you will find something as a pantograph, if that's what you want to use, that can complement your quilt. Mm -hmm. I have the question of describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to a business, but it sounded like you started your business fairly soon after you had done that quilt for your son. Yes. And I think I described how that happened. Yeah. One thing I would say is that 
when we came up with our name, this woman who became a very close friend and we worked together, her name was Angela Meadows. And my name being Judy Lyon, we formed the name of the company Meadow Lion. How neat. Yeah, something special. Yeah, and those words go together. I think so too. And she said, oh, well, you know, you're the one who's really designing it should be Lion Meadow. But that didn't sound good. (laughs) (laughs) Meadow Lion was what it had to be. Nice. Now, when we first sold our patterns, we sold them through Dave Hudson, the pattern man. He was our mentor and taught us a lot about drawing patterns and how they had to how they had to fit for the machines. And so we sold them through his company until we made our own website. Oh neat. Do you remember how you felt and the excitement you had making your first sale? That was pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I look and I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. I look at a catalog of all my patterns, and although they're not perfect, sometimes I look back and I'll think, oh, I wish I had drawn that a little bit different. But, you know, it's pretty exciting to think, wow, I drew those. I made those. And there are other people around the world that are enjoying them. And I just am thrilled to think that someone can decorate, so to speak, their quilts with those patterns. Yeah. And share with me, where can we find your business? Well, we don't have a storefront. It's all online. And you will find it at www dot meadowlion.com but remember that spelling m-e-a-d-o-w-l-y-o-n because my name is spelled l-y-o-n yeah so it might pop up anyway (laughs) (laughs) for a short time angela's daughter-in-law had a fabric shop in town And she called it Meadow Lion Fabrics. But that's no longer in business now. How neat that she used your name. I know. Kind of fun. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share with me? I have another worst experience. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell me about it? Sure. When the Lewis and Clark expedition reached its, I guess it was 200-year anniversary. There was a lot in the news about them. And because we lived in Kansas City and they had gone through that area, there was a lot of interest. So I drew some 12-inch medallions with the story in them, things that they discovered, drawings of them, drawings of Sagagawea. And I made a beautiful quilt 
with those. Well, as I was taking it across country, I had some grape juice in the back of the car, and it spilled all over that quilt. Oh, no. Well, you know, I remembered my mother telling me to pour boiling water through things like that. So I immediately did that, but it didn't take it out. And afterwards, I took it to the cleaners and asked people, and they said, oh, no, you should have used cold water. Uh It's faint, but those stains are there. And it because I used so much boiling water on it, some of the colors aren't as bright either. Mm. But I'll tell you an interesting thing about that quilt. Another friend of mine, her great-grandmother, was Sacagawea. I don't know how you pronounce it. I used to say Sacagawea, but she told me, no, it is Sacagawea. And she had a photograph of her grandmother wearing a big buffalo skin cape and holding my friend's father as a baby on her back in a pack. And she posed for the statues of Sagagawea in North Dakota and in Washington, D.C. Oh, cool. So I had those photographs And that's what I used to draw that quilting medallion from. Wow. Yeah, you know, there are so many interesting stories about quilts. Yeah. That's so great. Anything else? Well, I could talk for years. my voice would hold out. (laughs) Was there anything that you want your friends and family to know about you that we hadn't talked about? Well, I think one reason that I love cultures and nature so much is I feel that they are part of God's creation. And I am a very faith-driven person. Mm Mm-hmm. And that helps me to put some things in perspective in my life. It's hard when you have a business. I am tempted to go and do that business stuff all the time. But, you know, I do have grandchildren and children that I need to pay attention to. And right now on this trip, I'm at grandchildren's house in the room with the door shut. (laughs) But the rest of the time, I'll be with them. Neat. That's great. Well, Judy, thanks so much for sharing with me today. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. And I really appreciate you letting me do it, Paula. Oh, yes. I think this is a great not only opportunity for us as quilters, but a great opportunity for other people to listen. I enjoy listening to podcasts because I learn about the inspiration of the quilters. Yeah. Well, Paula, thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for coming on and chatting with me. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Great. Bye-bye. Bye.
You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.